That's right. It's Cosmic Dragon episode 11. I am Sean Grigsby, your host. Yeah, episode 11. 11 and 1 1 and then 1 1 1 1 seem to have significance in the new age community. So, hey, wherever you are, check your watch, check your phone, check your clock. Maybe it's 1 11 somewhere, wherever you are. I don't know. I don't know what that means, but it might be cool. Today, we are talking to two authors. That's right. It is a Cosmic Dragon first. I did a double interview with Jasmine Gower and Alex Wells, both angry robot authors like myself, and their books are coming out this February from Angry Robot. Jasmine Gower's Moonshine and Alex Wells' sequel to Hunger Makes the Wolf. The sequel is called Blood Binds the Pack. It's going to be an awesome interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Before we jump into it, though, I do want to let you know about my debut novel coming out from Angry Robot in March. The name of it is Smoke Eaters. Basic premise is Firefighters versus Dragons. It's a combination of fantasy science fiction, because it's in the future. Uh, they have laser swords and laser guns and jetpacks and all kinds of cool stuff. It's also maybe a little bit of horror, because there's also ghosts that I call wraiths that are very important when it comes to the dragons, but you'll have to buy the book and read it to find out. It is available for pre-order right now, and as of this recording, it's also still available on NetGalley. So if you are a book reviewer, book blogger, anything like that, you can apply and see if you can get a free copy for an honest review. I'd love for you to check it out. But enough about me. Let's jump into our double interview with Alex Wells and Jasmine Gower, two authors for the price of one. And Alex, I never told you this, but uh, back when Hunger Makes the Wolf came out, uh, my agent had my all-female motorcycle gangs in space novel on submission. And I saw that cover, and I said, fuck! Somebody beat me to it! Motorcycles in space! And he's like, oh yeah, I guess motorcycles and sci-fi are getting popular. Maybe that's a good thing. So, But enough about me. This ain't about me. This is about you two. So um, let's go alphabetically with the first name and at least the uh, uh, pen name, Alex. Uh, Hunger Makes the Wolf came out first. And the sequel is Blood Binds the Pack. Hob is back. What else can you tell us about it? Um, it's like... Bigger, louder, more explosions, a bigger heist. Um, you find out all the bone collector secrets because everybody wants to know what's up with him because he's that like mysterious asshole character. Um, and you find out everything about him. <laughs> and um, it's basically like in Hunger Makes the Wolf, you get the start of seeing that there is going to be some kind of uh, labor unionization issue. And this is actually the all-out war. Okay. Now... Are there plans for a third, or do you think this is this just a twofer? Well, so um, I signed for two books, so I have now delivered both of the books that I'm under contract for, but, I mean, I could totally write more. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Jasmine, your yes. book is Moonshine, and mm -hmm. uh, it comes out, to let the listeners know, it comes out the same day that Alex's uh, sequel comes out which is february right. the first tuesday of february in the u.s yeah uh, february 6th february 6th thank you uh moonshine is a 1920s 
with magic. Uh, it, it's Soot City is the name of the city, but yes. from what I read, it's basically a fictionalized 1920 Chicago. Is that is that correct? Uh, well, so I'm not sure who wrote that copy specifically. I didn't base it off of Chicago. I've never been to Chicago, so hopefully uh, no one's expecting that and being like, oh, this doesn't seem like Chicago. Um, no, I base it more off of Portland, which is where I live. Um, but yeah, it is actually a secondary world fantasy, so it's still, you know, kind of Tolkien in that regard where it's not Earth, but they've got cars. Right. Um, yeah, it's aesthetically based off of you know uh, the 1920s u.s flapper scene okay and in this world magic is well i guess it's it's common but there are certain forms of magic that are made illegal is that yeah so there's a couple different forms of magic in this universe uh the one that's the most well known um and as a result kind of regulated is called methodical magic which is um kind of like algebra based magic i guess um but uh they power the magic with this liquid called mana uh, which is a like sugary syrupy thing but, uh, made from rocks that are found in their environment and that's what has been uh made illegal the prohibition is on mana and not on alcohol in this universe okay you said rocks yes we have a geologist in the house alex wells everybody (laughs) so i don't know did you did you did you you, i am not a geologist so uh i'm not expecting any of that to be really scientifically sound alex have you read moonshine yet i have not gotten to i i really want to read it because it just sounds so cool and i really love like 1920s era stuff um so i've been like yeah i need that book (laughs) so i just have to you know pry a copy out of uh our overlords yeah i'm sure talk to penny she'll send you a copy i'm sure oh yeah penny always hooks me up with books she's amazing well uh jasmine i did have a question uh daisy is your main character Yes. Is that kind of a tip of the hat to Fitzgerald, uh, Great Gatsby? Uh, So I was wondering when someone was going to ask me that. It's not. First one. Um, Okay. (laughs) It's actually um, a reference to, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Lindsay Sterling. Um, She's like a YouTube violinist uh, who does like violin dubstep. Yes. Uh, There was, I was writing at the time, um, and a totally different book um, that didn't end up getting published. Uh, but I was listening to her music a lot as I was writing that project and kind of moving into Moonshine afterwards. Uh, and one of her songs is called Electric Daisy Violin, and that's where I got the name. Cool. So, but, I mean, that it kind of fits, though, in a way, you know, the it whole... It does kind of fit, yeah. But that's interesting that you had... That was n- never in the picture for you. Uh, no... That's awesome. I didn't really think about that at all until afterwards. It's like, oh, right, that other, like, 1920s book that everyone knows. Did someone bring that up to you, or did you just kind of say, oh, yeah, that, eh, well. No, I just realized after the fact. Thankfully, no one's one's said anything about it yet. Right. My editors are like, you have to change your name. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think. Yeah, uh, I don't have to change the name. Uh, Now, Alex, I know you're represented by Dong Wan Song. Uh, yes. Jasmine, are you, do you have an agent? Yes, I'm represented by Laura Zatz. 
Okay, cool. So is this is your debut novel, Jasmine? Yes, my okay. first full-length novel. Awesome, because I did see that you were in some anthologies uh, before this. Yeah, I've done, uh, I was in one anthology and I had two uh, novellas. Okay, cool. Now, Alex, how did you come to Angry Robot with uh, Hunger, Makes, Hunger Makes the Wolf? Um, so that's actually one where I met Phil Jordan at a convention and I actually pitched the book to him and then sent it to him. And then like, like a year later after I, I thought everyone had forgotten that this was a thing that happened, then I got contacted by Angry Robot and they were like, yo, we want to buy this. And the, what the, the funny part of that was I had actually, um, uh, in my agent search, there there was like a Twitter meme thing that happened, which is how I became aware that that Dong Wan was looking for clients, and I pitched Hunger Make the makes the wolf to him, and he was kind of like, well, I sort of like the concept, but there's like a lot of stuff that I think would need to be fixed before he could submit it, and I agreed with him. So then I pitched him on the other book that were the the fantasy novel, and that he really liked, and that was what made him offer to to represent me, and so the day I hired him as my agent like literally right before i was about to send him that email was when i got the email from angry robot <laughs> so <laughs> i i like sent dw the hey you're my agent and now i'm gonna forward an email to you and it's all your problem have fun <laughs> 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 that, so that worked out really well that has to be the fastest submission time ever it's like what negative three days yeah right <laughs> <laughs> You, oh, that's that's awesome. Jasmine, what about you? How'd you come to Angry Robot? Um, you know, it's funny that Alex mentioned having uh, submitted to them and then forgetting about it because that kind of happened to me too. Um, I participated in Hashtag DVPit, uh, which is a Twitter pitch contest uh, that's organized by uh, Beth Phelan. And they got, uh, Mike got in contact with me through that. Um, and I, you know, submitted the query and then after that, the full manuscript when he got in touch again. Um, and I kind of lost track of time. I ended up going back to school in the middle of this period. So I was, uh, I had a lot going on. And uh, several months later, he got in contact with me and was just like, hey, is this still available? And it's like, oh, right, that. <laughs> um, and then uh, I still didn't have an agent at that point, but Mike was really helpful with that, um, recommending me some names, including Laura, who I ended up uh, signing with. Cool. At DV, and the DV pit stands for Divor Diverse Voices, correct? Is that, uh, is that right? Yes, or just diversity? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think um, diversity or diverse voices. Okay. Well, that brings up a good question. What? And I'll start with uh, Jasmine. Uh, mm -hmm. As far as bringing diversity into your novel, can you list some things uh, that you wanted to explore, especially it being in the 1920s in the area of that time and uh, what did you want to explore in writing it? Uh, well, one of the things I had in mind was um, kind of when I first conceptualized Moonshine was years and years ago. I was in high school still. Um, but the cast I had conceptualized was very white. And I kind of at the time got the feelings like this doesn't seem right um, and I kind of shelved it for a while and did more research uh, about just different historical movements going on in the real world at the time. 
um, and kind of the impact that the flapper movement had globally, how there were uh, flapper movements like in Japan and China and Korea that were all kind of similar to the one going on in uh, the UK and the US, but obviously had different implications in terms of imperialism and things like that. Uh, so revisiting Moonshine, I uh, took another look at the cast and what I now knew uh, more about the history of like the Harlem Renaissance and how things like that impacted the flapper movement. It was just like, this story probably needs to be less white because that's what it was in reality. Um, so that was one thing I had in mind. Uh, the other thing I had in mind was I wanted everyone to be queer. So I did that. Awesome. Quick question. That's nothing to do with that, but do you know how to do the Charleston? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to do any dance moves. When you, I saw you were going to be at a university bookstore. Learn the chart. It's real easy. And you could do that for, you know, the signing. That'll be like, you know, oh, God. part of the show, I, you know, book signing and a show. Uh, Alex, I know, and I don't know if you guys can see the hat I'm wearing, but it's anarchy. And I know at least the theme I'm getting from your two books from Angry Robot is an anti-corporation uh, thing. But what else uh, in talking about diversity and, and other things that you wanted to explore with the books? Uh, tell us some some of those things. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely it's extremely anti-corporate or perhaps more properly pro-workers' rights and pro-union. Um, but I don't know. It's like, so when I wrote the first book, um, it was basically the 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 protagonist there were lots and lots of brown people of various shades and then i actually very deliberately i think um out of the heroes the only two characters that are actually like like explicitly white are mag and hob and i made the choice to make them uh of uh and, and nick um of uh eastern european descent Mostly because we don't see that so much in the U.S., but particularly like in the U.K. and in a lot of Europe, there, there's a lot of like fucked up stuff that happens towards people from Eastern Europe. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, just bring that into that. Plus, I mean, we had a lot of uh, Eastern European immigrants come in as uh, minors in the U.S. anyway. So that's kind of like touching on that history as well. Like there's like the whole immigrant story. But it's funny because if I if I wrote Hunger Makes the Wolf today, there would have been a lot more women in it. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, like it's, it's a super dude heavy book. And like before I, I did major edits on it, it was even more dude heavy because like the villain used to be a guy and... You know, so that that is actually one thing I would I would change um, if, if I had it to do again. But but then, you know, I got into the second book and I was like, there are certain things that I can I can do better now that I'm I'm writing it as as a more grown up writer. And one of it is I made it way gayer. So that was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 I may I've got like two queer couples in there and I didn't bury my gaze and you know that that was like super important to me too you're gonna if you ever get a chance to read uh, my motorcycle one you'll you'll like it there are no well there's one male character it's a very small part and he's gay but every every other character is a woman nice yes nice um so why motorcycles where, where did that come in and what when that hit you you're like fuck yeah that's what I want to do 
because I really love motorcycles. I actually, I used to own a motorcycle. I have multiple speeding tickets because of my motorcycle. Um, and it was basically just like, I, the only reason I don't have one anymore is I can't afford to ha- own a vehicle and pay insurance. So, I mean, I love motorcycles and I just couldn't think of anything cooler than ride- than like people riding around the desert on motorcycles and shooting at each other. So it's like, yeah, motorcycles. For listeners out there who don't know, for Christmas, Angry Robot did this uh, thing where the authors wrote a short, like 250 word uh, story killing each other and i lost horribly to alex <laughs> but what's interesting is that we both used motorcycles in our stories it's true which was awesome and then i ghost shipped you with a with a string of christmas lights yes which i thought was <laughs> awesome but at the same time I was like, yeah. it was no contest uh, alex beat me by like 80 percent to it's probably more than that it was i i was like well um Jasmine, did you participate? Get to participate in that at all? No, I was pretty pressed for time. Uh, I was watching some of it, but I think I missed a couple rounds. Don't yeah, feel like, bad. Carrie Patel like kicked my butt just yeah. when I got to the round with her because she wrote, she did everything in verse, which I was just like, this is unfair. Did Jeanette end up winning? I think it was Jeanette. Wasn't yeah, it, it yeah. was Jeanette. It was like a tough contest between them. It was rough. Oh man. Well, I'm glad, you know, we're all still actually alive. Uh, <laughs> goes without saying. Uh, well, what are some things that we haven't talked about? I, I, I want to categorically state that Coyote and Dumbala are murder husbands because apparently I wasn't explicit enough about it, even in the second book. They're totally fucking, and they have been for years. So I want to <laughs> just put that out there. <laughs> Like, you know, you would think that a, a, a man affectionately referring to his partner as his precious idiot would be clear enough, but apparently it wasn't. Um, and then, uh, gosh, I, I think the other thing that, that really, like, because almost everyone is focusing on kind of like the anti-corporate pro-union stuff. Right. But, like, um, the the big issue that to me is is interesting and that that hopefully if i ever get to write another book is where i want to go with it is the the idea that interstellar travel in this universe is completely dependent upon what comes from this planet where there's a corporate monopoly and that's a whole problem in itself but you know then it becomes a question of you know if the way they make interstellar travel work is by genetically engineering these terrible monstrous sad human beings called the weathermen who gets to decide if that continues? And if you don't continue it, does that mean you don't get interstellar travel anymore? And then suddenly the entire civilization collapses. And like, that's a whole giant issue that I'm really interested in that. I think most everyone's skated by because, you know, it's also like, there's so many explosions going on. What are you going to do? Right. The weathermen sound cool, by the way. And you've got a new one in, uh, called Mr. Yellow. Yes. Mr. What, Yellow. What can you tell us about Mr. Yellow? So, Mr. Yellow is their most advanced model. Um, so, like, in Hunger Makes the Wolf, one of the big points was that they had discovered, like, you know, th- there's, like, the stuff that, the the wooji wooji that's going on on this planet that they don't really understand what's happening, but it works. So, they're like, okay, we're going to go with it. And then in Hunger Makes the Wolf, they actually start discovering this 
this strange mineral where they're like, well, we don't really know what it does, but it does whatever the planet was doing, but like more so. And it's, you know, veins of pure hand wavium, basically. And <laughs> so they took the, you know, their, their samples of hand wavium and took them back to um, uh, Earth and built a new better weatherman with the hand wavium. And he's, it's, it's, Interacted very strangely with his psyche. He's like even weirder than most of the weathermen. And uh, then he eats Shige's brain. So there you go. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not literally, but you know. You need to put a new uh, stone, rock, or, or element in the third one if, and call it Hand Wavium. <laughs> I mean, I kind of wanted to call this one hand, hand wavium, but then I called it amritite so that it sounded kind of like a real mineral name. Right. Well, then you I'll use the it. I'll put it in. Hand- <laughs> Jasmine, uh, have you thought of anything that you wanted to expand upon about Moonshine? Oh um, yeah, I was thinking. Um, so Moonshine is set in Soot City, as you uh, as you mentioned, um, and it kind of is contained in that vicinity at least i mean they go outside of the town a few times but um the whole story takes place basically inside the single city um but i have been kind of uh working on the greater world that this city exists inside of all of the different uh countries um that make up this entire world and i kind of had to uh reverse engineer the world building kind of starting with that 1920s aesthetic and then coming up with, well, it's a secondary world, so how did they come to this conclusion with, you know, fashion and social movements and legislation and things like that, despite having a totally different historical context and things like ogres and fairies existing in their universe. Right. Um, so that was uh, a challenge that I'm still working on uh, because it comes up quite a bit more in the second book, which I'm drafting right now. Oh, cool. But uh, having had the experience of reverse engineering a fantasy world, I don't know if I would do it again for any other series. <laughs> it is extremely difficult. Where did the title come from? Where, why did you decide Moonshine? Um, it actually originally was Moonshiners. Uh, Angry Robot suggested just cutting off that last syllable there. Um, but that just uh, refers to the production of that uh, that liquid magic. Okay. And it goes with the whole Prohibition era. Uh, right. Thing. It's to kind of put the focus on that that magical Prohibition theme. And that's an awesome cover, by the way. Who Who is the artist? Uh, that's John Coulthart. Okay. Who also did uh, Jeanette's book, Under the Pedestal yes. Sun. It has that yeah, same kind of style. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Alex, your book cover is awesome as well. Um, yes. I already told you what I thought when I saw Hunger uh, Makes the Wolves cover. I was extremely jealous and felt that I've been beaten to the punch. Uh, but who's the artist for uh, – it's the same same person on both of them, right? Ah, okay. So the cover art for both of the books was done by Ignacio Lascano. Okay. And, yeah, he's just – excellent like i've been I've, I've been so excited with every draft of, of the covers he's ever done did you have any input on it or was it just hey yeah you you do whatever you think uh i did have some input in that you know i i suggested images i think um 
actually for the Bloodbinds the pack cover, I actually did suggest how Hob and Mag should be standing because I think initially like Hob was kind of standing behind Mag and it was a little more static and I was like, why can't they be like sort of back to back like badasses on a movie poster or something? Thelma and Louise kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but I, I like most of it, I think like Mike's had most of the, the control over what's going to be on the covers because he's also way better at that stuff than me anyway. <laughs> He's the one who actually came up with the title for Hunger Makes the Wolf because I am terrible at titles. Is this Mike Underwood? Yeah. Okay, cool. Mark handled all all my stuff. I had an idea and they said, eh, how about this instead? And I was like, <laughs> whoa, yeah, this uh, that's awesome. I would be remiss not to mention, and I think I've mentioned it once, uh, you being a geologist. Yes. Uh, and I've read your piece on tour.com about desert planets which was awesome by the way uh and one of the most interesting on there because i I was doing homework because i was trying to come up with one uh as well (laughs) uh so that was nice to see what did you take from your geology background to put into uh blood binds the pack and also hunger makes the wolf i mean so the the big part is is definitely just um I'm a sedimentary geologist, and actually, uh, the environment that I did my research in was actually like a river floodplain environment because I was looking at fossilized soils. But my actual favorite landforms are desert landforms. Like, I love them. And so, I think the biggest thing that I, I was drawing from as far as my understanding of geology was... Um, that there's actually a, a major diversity of desert landforms. It's not just like dune seas. That's actually kind of the rarest sort. Um, and then the other major thing was uh, at some point I realized as I was writing, I was like, oh, I keep saying like all the, the rocks that are sticking up out of this and all the plateaus and stuff are like black, like they're, you know, basalt or they're red. And so I was like, so that really just means all the sand should be red too <laughs> instead of like, you know, tan sand. And then, I went and, and like, if you look at pictures of the, the Simpson Desert in Australia, that's um, one where all the sand is, is heavily stained with rust. And it's just gorgeous. It's orange sand. And it looks really cool and kind of surreal because you don't expect it to look like that. Right. Nice. We're almost out of time. And so I have a couple more questions. Uh, the first one is, uh, Jasmine, we'll go back to you. Where okay. can... Uh, readers find you to get their books signed ask you questions any conventions i'd mentioned the university bookstore when is that happening the signing uh the university bookstore in seattle washington is on february 10th at 6 p.m cool are you do you have any plans to go anywhere else uh yeah i will be at emerald city comic con on just the friday i don't have any like solid plans for what i'm doing yet cool i will be there excellent i'll see you i'm sure i will see you then awesome okay alex what about you where can readers find you okay so you can always find me online at um katsudon.net that's my website or if you just google my name it will come up because no one else has the same name as me at least alex axe alex wells there are some there's like a dude that plays soccer named alex wells so (laughs) screw him um Let's see. On March 10th, I'm going to be at Old Firehouse Books in Fort Collins to have kind of a belated launch party for Bloodbinds the Pack. And then for conventions this year, for sure, I'm going to be at Emerald City Comic Con. I'm going to be at 
WizCon. Um, I'm going to be at uh, WorldCon in San Jose. It is San Jose, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, for a moment, I was like, San Diego? No, no, it was San Jose. <laughs> it's San and something. Then, it was San something. Um, San Andreas. Where <laughs> 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 WorldCon, you know, slides south along the plate boundary. Um, and then I'm going to be at Mile High Con in Denver in October. Awesome. Cool. So all three of us are going to be at Emerald City. Yes. In March. Cool. So listeners, come buy books, get them signed. I promise not to be drunk or high. Maybe. Yeah, uh, there's, there's going to be a ton of anger out there because you know Adam Rakunis is going to be there and yeah. so is Eric. And Patrick. Uh, Eric Fischel. Yeah, yeah, and Patrick will be there too, so... It's gonna be It'll awesome. Just be, we're all gonna be like stuffed into this tiny booth and like elbowing each other to try to get to the front to sign books. <laughs> I'm thinking of bringing my uh, karaoke microphone. Uh, I don't know if I'll sing, but I'm thinking about it. My wife said, "Don't do that." But uh, <laughs> Joseph, oh God, Brassi- no, because if, the problem is if you bring it and you sing, you know that Patrick is gonna have to like one up you, and it's actually no. He is a one upper. <laughs> Real quick, Wait, yeah. Ka- oh God, Patrick is gonna just one up you so hard, especially if you're both. If you if you used to do stand up, it's just gonna be like this this mush like mushroom cloud that the rest of us are gonna be running away from, and like <laughs> Adam Rakunis is gonna be sitting there like fucking roasting a marshmallow because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he probably instigated it because he's a shit stirrer. Yes, he is. Um, I'm very uh, outgoing and and uh, eccentric. I guess is that I'll be wearing mascara. And, and wearing very loud colors and stuff, so it'll be fun. I'll be also, be, also be at Worldcon uh, in San Jose. Uh, and is it, you said Katsudon is, .net is your website. Yeah, Katsudon.net. Because I think, like, I've got another domain name that points there. It's like AXWriter.com or something. I don't fucking know. AlexAx.com, maybe. See, because let I, me let me try to go to my own website. <laughs> yes, AlexAx.com, which just redirects to Katsudon.net because I've had that fucking website forever. Does that have anything to do with the Japanese food? Because I lived in Japan for like four and a half years, and Katsudon was like my shit. Like I ate that oh, okay. every day. Oh, like Katsudon, my my like my favorite Japanese comfort food. And the whole thing was like way back, like you know, high school days. My my handle was Katsu no Miko, and that got shortened to Katsu. And then you can't fucking get Katsu as a login anywhere. So then it became Katsudon, and then it became Katsudonbury, and that that has been like the evolution of where my nicknames have come from. Like because I was like, fine, I just I will embrace. And that I, I mean, I also had a Japanese pen pal for a while that that loved that my nickname was Katsu because he was like. Katsu is great because it is a food, but it also means to win. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In Seattle, there's this awesome uh, Hawaiian Japanese fusion restaurant. They have the best katsudon. If you, if since we're all going to be there, if you get to try, I forget where it's at. I just Ubered everywhere the last time we were there. Alex, what is something that you wish someone had told you? A piece of advice or something you've always held? Uh, as far as writing goes that you want our listeners to know so like the number one thing and i kind of had already known this but it it, like it got crystallized in phrasing when i when i took my courses for my screenwriting certificate is give yourself permission to suck like 
it is okay for your rough draft to suck. Your rough draft is going to suck. It is inevitable. There's nothing you can do about it. Just write the thing and be okay with the fact that it sucks because you're going to fix it in post or editing. You know, like just go ahead and, and, and just revel in your suckitude as you are writing and then it will all get better later when you edit it. I promise. And a lot of times the stuff you thought was going to suck ends up being awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like you never know. So just just write it and and write fearlessly because it's okay if you suck. Yeah. All right, Jasmine, have you thought yeah, of something uh, you'd that, like to say? Kind of going off of that a bit, I would say uh, write what you're passionate about. Because if you try to, you know, chase trends or just fit a certain market, it's the writing's not going to be as good. You've got to you've got to write what you're passionate about and uh, hope that there's a market for it. I guess right. or make a market for it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Jasmine, Alex, it has been awesome interviewing you for Cosmic Dragon. This is going to be episode 11, and uh, we thank you so much for coming on. <laughs>